welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode here of the Five Nine Podcast, brought to you as always by Fierce Wireless. I'm your host, Alejandro Pinero, and this week we have a very special guest. Uh, we're joined by Bjorn Watne. He's the Senior Vice President Chief Security Officer at Telenor. Bjorn, it's uh, great to have you join us today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. Now, Bjorn, we, we're going to talk uh, about security uh, and how we as a telecom industry are hopefully performing or what we need to do better. But before we get into the subject at hand here, I wanted to give you a brief introduction to introduce your role within Telenor. Of course, it's a big organization, so I assume it's, it has several facets to it, and, and give our listeners a bit of an overview before we get into the, the questions. Sure, sure. So you're right. I'm currently in the telecom industry. Prior to that, I was also almost 10 years in financial services, but I've been working with information security all along. Though my current role with the Telenor Group has a little bit more to it. So first and foremost, there is the aspect of information security, absolutely. We also have physical security as part of the security function in the group. And recently, we have chosen also to add crisis management and disaster recovery to the security function because we see there are synergies. It's a big plate (laughs) with a lot of things to digest. But we're also a big crew managing these responsibilities. So we are about 150 people working across the group to secure ourselves internally, in addition to the, the crew that actually provides services externally to our end users and our customers as well. Brilliant. So I look forward to uh, speaking to you about those different elements that your team looks into. Let's let's start simply here, and, and I, I'm going to oversimplify the landscape for sure. But if this was a, a good versus bad, uh, and we're looking at security broadly, tumultuous times, lots of evolving threats, lots of different things going on geopolitically, let alone at a security level and cybersecurity level, are we, hopefully we're the good guys here, are we winning that battle against against the bad guys? And how concerned should we be? Do you have a big team working on this? Should this be replicated more? It's an interesting question. Are we winning the battle? I would have to say that the the battle, unfortunately, is is never over as far as I see it. Uh, it's just a change. If you go back a couple of hundred years, we had train robbers. We had uh, robbers going after horse carts. Look at the postal service, for example. We can You can draw parallels to a telco today from what the postal service used to be. And, and the mailmen back in the day, those were the the toughest people they were often heavily armed as well because they were delivering valuable cargo and did we win the battle then most of the cargo made it through right so now that we are in the digital area the situation is the same uh, i would argue the robbers they are still present they are still attacking the supply and and delivery change and they are trying to get to our valuables yes our valuables have changed from gold and silver to zeros and ones but the principle is the same and, and I predict that, that it will continue to be. So how bad is it? I would say that it's not at all that bad. If you look at credit card fraud, for example, that's another example we can take. The financial services industry or, or the banks, they have jointly chosen to accept that they will cover any losses related to credit card fraud because they see that they win in the long run from people actually using credit cards for their transactions. 
And that means that the income that they have on the transactions alone are bigger than the losses connected with fraud. How bad is it? I think we're still leading for the criminals. Security also on authentication, authorization, uh, around digital transactions, it's becoming harder and harder to crack. We do see a shift. As you may know, it's the Security Awareness Month now in October. And the topic this year is social manipulation. And we do see a shift from hackers trying to hack systems to actually trying to hack people because it is easier and systems are becoming increasingly hard to break. And it is a saying now amongst security professionals that hackers, they don't break in, they log in. Gaining credentials from misfortunate users is easier than breaking systems. Yes, it's, it's challenging for sure, but it's absolutely not something that we can't overcome, I would argue. What it does, however, is require uh, constant attention uh, because it is a very dynamic landscape. It's shifting all the time and, and it's also evolving both with digitalization of, of society as a whole, but also the advancement in technology, like, for example, AI that we've seen in recent months. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that, Bjorn. I wanted, when I was thinking about this interview, I wanted to ask you how you keep track of how well we're doing, right? And, and I guess some, some of it will be assessing risk and seeing what, how secure data is and, and putting those protocols into place. Once you mentioned there that we're shifting into that individual security as well, that also poses a challenge just given the, I guess, you're only as strong as the, the weakest link. So how do you, from a, a, a large corporate level, manage A, that um, individual level security, but then also the evolving nature of the threat? And you were starting to talk about AI. I think that's something we should talk a little bit. But how do, how do you keep track of both of those put best practices out there? You're looking at a vast landscape. Absolutely. And it's something that, uh, like I said, it requires uh, constant attention because it changes all the time. So working with security it will always be uh, a moving target. And it's important to remember that the security professional, you should never be doing security for the sake of security. You should always ensure that you are supporting the business where you are working. That's my mantra and my, my goal as a security officer. But how we keep track is that we monitor different things. First, we definitely monitor the threat landscape and the threat actors to see how they evolve. We also monitor the involvement and adoption of a new technology, both in the company that we are hired to protect, but also in the adversary's arsenal. We monitor any changes to the regulatory landscape because that obviously has an impact on what security controls to, to implement. We pretty much look at this year over year and Internally at the Telenor, we have developed a model that we call the maturity model. It's currently in its fifth iteration with the sixth being released February next year. And what we do is we make sure that what we measure and how we measure it is always up to date with what we're trying to protect and what we are trying to protect against. So it's not like we have a standard that was created two years ago, and we continue to, to work towards that standard. No, we continue to evolve our internal standard. So we make sure that we measure to something relevant. And it is challenging, yes, because you can get a score this year that necessarily won't be the same or as good as the score you get next year. Even though you have increased in maturity, your score will be lower because the world is a little bit more difficult, if you see what I mean. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to, to explain in a short interview like this, but the rule of thumb is that we need to evolve how we measure and our controls together with the involvement in regulatory and threat landscape. 
And we do that all the time, constantly. Yeah. And and you mentioned there that internal scorecard that you keep year on year. I assume there's also an element there of, of an industry-wide uh, collaboration and, and working with partners, right? Because in the end, it's it's also an industry reputation issue. It's not just the company. Uh, you, you need to protect individuals, especially when we're talking about telecoms, where you're in everyone's pockets and everyone's homes. Yes, absolutely. And we rely heavily on, on collaboration with organizations like GSMA, ISO, Partners, DXC, for example, we're heavily involved with over in Sweden, and also with peer groups amongst telcos themselves. And definitely, we do use frameworks in the bottom. We, in an early version of our maturity model, we had the ISF standards of good practice in the bottom. Later, we evolved it to ISO 27001. And then we saw that as a telco, we need to add elements also around the telecom part, like signaling security and service fraud. As of late, we are also looking into the NIST 2 directive, for example, to make sure that we stay compliant with this going forward. But it's not something that we can easily do alone. And absolutely, partnerships and collaboration, it's, it's a huge part of, of how we go about this. And Bjorn, you started talking about AI a bit earlier on here in our conversation. I did want to focus on there a little bit. I guess it's not really a tech podcast if someone doesn't bring AI up, right? It's an obligatory topic. When you think about it from a perspective of security or your bread and butter, do you see it as a net positive or, or do you see it as a bigger threat? Because I imagine AI is going to be used on both sides to make more evolved threats, but also a quicker turnaround on solutions and, and threat mitigation. So how do you see AI as you work through uh, security within Telenor and with your partners? It can definitely introduce a lot of new challenges on security, but it can also introduce a lot of opportunities. And we are currently looking and adoption of AI within Telenor, of course. We are looking to see how it can improve network optimization, how it can improve customer interaction. From a security standpoint, one angle is to look at how do we secure the adoption of AI internally? That's one of the things we're looking at. But also, how can AI increase or amplify or introduce new threats to the company? But lastly, how can we leverage AI in our defense mechanisms to, for example, detect when AI is being used against us or to better predict or to discover attacks as they, be, they are being launched? So I would say it's, uh, it can be positive and it can be negative. But as an engineer in general, I'm quite positive towards new technology, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to put it. Technologies brings opportunities as it brings, uh, of course, uh, opportunity for those with other intentions. So you just have to keep evolving and, and looking at it. That, that makes a lot of sense. And Bjorn, to, to shift a little bit the discussion, you, you mentioned also your work includes disaster recovery and, and physical security. So I did want to give you the chance to talk a little bit more about that. I think Telenor has a, a particularly interesting perspective because you're present in, in many different geographies, right? And, and some, of, some of which will have different requirements and more pressing needs. So how do you go about building a, an organization that is built to, to meet what could be very different and, and varied security constraints and situations? First and foremost, it's absolutely not a one-size-fits-all. What we have done in, in Telenor Group is that we have set a, a common goal of, of a maturity level where we want all the business units to be. And then we go about individual assessments throughout each of the business units. And you are quite right that in the 
northern part of uh, Pakistan, the situation is quite different than central uh, Finland, for example. And the maturity level will also be different. But we measure this maturity level along a vast amount of disciplines, ranging from physical security, access control, user awareness, regulatory compliance, and so on. And we make sure that we always address the biggest gaps. And these gaps will differ from business unit to business unit, but we have a common way and a common framework and a common maturity model to follow them up. And we always discuss this together, the security managers of each team. We are not trying to force the round peg into the square hole, but we are trying to, uh, to fit the recipe to, to the market for sure. And, uh, and that differs quite right Yeah. And, and you were mentioning, you know, as an engineer, you're optimistic of new technologies. I wonder if outside of your engineering hat, just looking at security, you mentioned Pakistan, Finland. These are countries that are in the front line of different geopolitical, huge situations that... I imagine companies within telecommunications play a vital role in securing and making sure that networks are impenetrable. So do you also have to then make sure those geopolitical situations that evolve are, are part of your thinking? And, and how, do you, how do you build that into your planning? I guess there's only so much you can do in a way. Yeah, that, that is also a very interesting question. And yes, I am an engineer by, by training. But if you go back to 2016, 2017, and I guess everybody remember what happens around the, the GDPR when it was being introduced, all of a sudden it was no longer that interesting to, to look at risk analysis or acceptable risk. And, and so on, it was just a matter of we are either compliant with the GDPR or we are not because the consequences of being non-compliant are simply too much for us to bear. So... Gone were the days where I was actually measuring risk. I was more turning into a lawyer, <laughs> looking at, are we compliant with the regulation or not? And now that has shifted again, because now I'm becoming a politician. Now I need to look <laughs> at the geopolitical side of things and, okay, how much leeway can we give this vendor or that vendor? And, and how much can we anger these guys without stepping on the toes of those guys? And you are right. That is a, a challenge that adds an extra dimension onto the discipline. But again, it's, it is a terrain that has to be maneuvered. And there are many people involved in taking big decisions like this. Security is one element, but the geopolitical issues, sanctions, for example, regulatory requirements by uh, bodies like EU, they will be changed according to the geopolitical tensions and, and the sides that, that states are taking. So it all comes into consideration. And we are operating both in the Asian market and the Nordic market, and, and things are different. But what we do, and then you were touching upon it a little bit, we do provide connectivity, and we are considered part of critical infrastructure in most parts where we operate. And that is a huge responsibility. And it's not just, of course information or cybersecurity, we need to make sure that the signal is there, that people are able to connect, that uh, ambulances, that uh, military support, that government functions uh, or people in distress, that they are able to connect. And that means that we need to make sure that our towers have sufficient power, that our fiber cables are not cut, that our data centers are intact and operating. And uh, yeah, so the physical aspect is definitely there together with the logic and the digital one. So let me bring those two together then from a technology and, and from a physical security to standpoint. And our, our listeners will naturally come more from that wireless telecom side. So I want to ask you when you are thinking about uh, the role of telecom, you mentioned your background in, in financial services. Now you've been with Telenor uh, for a while. How should we think of security and as a telecom industry 
And how do you see the role of telecommunications continuing to evolve as we think about having that connectivity there, but also that cybersecurity and, and data security data center? What what are you thinking about perhaps a year or two down the line or even further within telecoms? I see a change in the way that we're becoming increasingly more dependent on the digital infrastructure. When we talk about information security, we have this triad, the CIA triad, confidentiality, integrity, availability. And going back, it was always confidentiality that was synonymous with with security. (laughs) If it wasn't in need of protection or red tape, then it wasn't really interesting, right? But now that we are putting all our eggs in this digital basket, elements like availability and integrity of information will most likely be more important, I think, uh, than confidentiality going forward. Five years ago, if we were disconnected from the internet, that was a nuisance. But during the pandemic, and and now, it it can already uh, be a matter of life and death today. If you have a life support system hooked up to the internet, for example, or digital journals telling a doctor whether you're allergic to medicine A or B, if that cannot be uh, accessed for whatever reason, you get administered a wrong uh, drug and then, then you die. So I think that in the coming years, ensuring availability, ensuring that the communication platform is is available, that is reliable, you can make sure that it is there and it's safe to use, to instill trust in people to using the platform. I think that will be very important. It's no longer enough just to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we had an outage today because people are becoming so reliant on this digital lifeline that uh, they, they will require more of us. So security, I think, will play a bigger part. And we can already see that from a regular tourist perspective as well. With I mentioned the NIST 2. It will come in effect 17th of October next year, and it puts a lot more stringent requirements on both crisis management, how you train disaster recovery plans, how you manage your supply chains and your vendor landscape. A lot of things are coming. Keeping that digital lifeline there and making people trust in it, to be reliant on it, that, that is something that we need to take responsibility for going forward. Well, Bjorn, listen, we're, we're kind of at the top of the episode here. I think we could spend a long time talking about this. This is really, I see, as fundamental to what we do as an industry and what we need to continue to deliver. And, and it's amazing to speak to you with this vision and, and really the experience that Telenor brings and, and with your leadership. Uh, Bjorn, before we close here, if you had one parting thought or, or something for folks to, to walk away from after listening to this or, or something they can take back into their organization when thinking about security and what they can do, what, what would be a, a key message for you? Or what have you been trying to evangelize in a way when you're talking to folks? We, we're going back to the start, really. As I mentioned, October is the Security Awareness Month, and the topic this year is social manipulation. In Telenor, we like to look more positive on things. So we have flipped it around a bit and uh, we have gone with strengthening the human firewall, which is, of course, a focus on how we can be more resilient against uh, social uh, manipulation. If people can think a little bit more on, on that, because even as we are adopting and implementing AI, we will still need human supervision of this technology. Yes, we will give up some of the control uh, and let AI handle it but there will still be human supervision. And that supervision, that human firewall layer uh, is already important, but will continue to be even more important going forward. So for security professionals, regardless of industry, be it financial services, telecom or diary products, make sure that you 
speak to your employees. And when you create the message, keep it relevant to them. Keep it interesting. I have good experience in addressing people as as private citizen. Talk to them about things that are important for them as a person, a father, a brother, a son, a daughter, whatever. Because if you instill good behaviors and good thoughts and good awareness in them as a private person, the chances are good that they will bring those traits, uh, those habits also to the workplace. Building a security first mindset and strengthening the human firewall. That I think will be ever more important going forward, even as we digitalize even more. I love that because it touches on the technology point, but also on the human uh, point, which after all is in the middle, really at the center of this. And I think that's a great way to put it. I like the human firewall concept. That's one I'm going to have to incorporate into my language as well. I I think that's a great way to put it. Bjorn, thank you so much for joining us. I think we, as I said, we could speak for a long time. This is a great topic, but we've we've taken enough of your busy week. Thank you again for coming on and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you again. It was a pleasure to be here. Excellent. And to you, listener, thanks for joining us for yet another week here at the 5.9 Podcast. As always, we'll be back in your feed next week with more leading voices from our tech industry. Until then, take care and stay safe. You've been listening to the 5.9, Pierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on Zencaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites, piercewireless.com, piercelectronics.com, PierceTelecom.com and PierceVideo.com. See you soon.